Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Beth Elliard. Beth, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for joining us. And Beth's here today to share her testimony with us. Beth, just start out telling us where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up. I grew up in Petersburg, West Virginia. At the time when I was growing up, there was about 1,500 people in the area. So it was a small town small town feel. I was raised Methodist. My mom was a Methodist Sunday school teacher. I grew up in a home where I would see my mom preparing for her Sunday school classes. Dad would read scriptures, especially his favorite thing was to read the Christmas story at Christmas. Both sets of my grandparents. I knew five of my great-grandparents. I have, as I remember all situations that I can see them reading their Bible. So this was certainly, I was really grateful growing up, knowing in the Lord, I guess, through a child's eyes, and then being able to carry that out and make my own choices when I left home. We were outdoor people. I was a tennis player. My sister became a concert pianist. Mom's side of the family was very musical. Dad's side of the family was athletic, and so we kind of got that divided between us. We hiked weekly after church. Mom would make us a quick lunch, and we would go to the woods. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. And so that's where I got my love of the outdoors and science and just being active. So, yep. That's good. I remember, I have one memory of Petersburg. It was, what, 1985 when the flood came through? Yes. I came back and helped muck out some basements. Did you? Yep. Yeah. That's my main claim to Petersburg is... Right. I was at Marshall University. I was in college um, when that happened. I could not come home. Of course, Corridor H hadn't gone through, so I had to go through Harmon and over Mm -hmm. that way just to even get over past Mm -hmm. Elkins so I could get on some interstate to go to and from college. But when the flood hit, I had to drive all the way actually through Canaan Valley, almost all the way over to Maryland, and then come back that way because that was devastated. I came home for Thanksgiving. There was pieces of the road that I was able to pick my way and come home. And, you know, there were boulders uh, the size of houses sitting where a road used to be. Mm. And so that was a little hard. So I was not there when that happened. happened. I just, I I came to see kind of the immediate result after. Mm -hmm. And then when I came in the spring after college was out for that year, then I could see the improvement. And so I did not live that, of course, lived it through my family with the damage that happened with them. But yeah. So it was pretty bad looking. It was, yes. That was uh, impacted me. I'd never really been a part of anything like that. I'd never seen that before. Natural disaster-wise, we're pretty protected. Yes. Yeah. We are, um, here in the Valley especially. Yep. So, yeah, well, so I know a little bit about that area that you came from. Thanks for sharing that. So you grew up going to church. That was, obviously, you had a Sunday school teacher for a mother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She taught fifth and sixth grade Uh, uh, Sunday school, yeah. I got a couple gold stars, maybe not as many as the other kids in the class got. Was that fifth and sixth grade? <laughs> that was for the fifth and sixth grade, yep. <laughs> so. so you grew up going to church, hearing the word, and we talk often on here about we are taken to church by our parents usually, or maybe sometimes we're dropped off, mm-hmm. maybe don't get to go to church, maybe that's not a part of our story, but 
you were at church every Sunday, whether it was your choice or not, knowing you probably was um, your choice at that point in time. But when did your faith become your own? Like as a young child, did you have an aha moment? And then like, what did that faith journey look like for you? My faith journey, when I got out of college, I was, uh, I had struggled to I was a microbiology student, and I was struggling to find some interest in that field really in the state of North Carolina and the state of Virginia is where I was looking. I ended up working some jobs in North Carolina, some jobs that of the nature that I was doing, just kind of the work was already done. I ended up coming home for six months and then moved to Harrisonburg. Mm after about six months. And in that period of time, because I was jumping around, I actually moved 11 times in nine years from the time I started college until I kind of found my way and found my niche here in Harrisonburg. And I was not plugging into church. I wasn't reading scripture. I still had the knowledge that the Lord was with me. And my thought process in my young years from 20 until 30-some years of age was the Lord is not a fairy godmother who would uh, grant all my wishes, but a presence that was taking care of me, that was seeing that I had what I needed because I was out on my own all alone. Mm-hmm. And so it was just by his grace, I began attending Dayton United Methodist Mm -hmm. Church, made some really great friends, learned what it meant to sit around a young adult Sunday school table and a meal, talk about biblical truths. So God was drawing me more into that culture instead of, you know, as I was getting settled. Mm -hmm. I moved to another church here in Harrisonburg where I actually was given by the Lord, I have no doubt about it, a spiritual mother. She um, had me in her home for several hours once a month. We actually went through Philippians and studied that together. She gave me good study techniques. She mirrored what it was like to disciple someone because I was receiving that discipleship. Mm -hmm. And she taught me several things. It was, again, how to be a part of a small group study because she would have other ladies my age. And now, you know, you could get real in her house. Mm -hmm. And what had been really uncomfortable for me in sharing any personal thing up to my life to this point, I felt that there was a safe place. I'm struggling with my faith, or I'm struggling with a death, or I was actually able to learn to voice some of this um, with these ladies. The spiritual mother also taught us model prayer for us ladies. And, you know, oftentimes my prayer was either God help me or get me out of this. (laughs) And so, you know, the more meaningful prayer, and that came right along with really getting into scripture too. Mm-hmm. And she, she really, as being in Philippians, she really would say the words, strive for, strive for the prize, strive for eternity, strive for God's will. And so she really instilled that in us. I had a relationship with this group of ladies and with the spiritual mother for almost two years. Uh, she just really poured into us. One thing that I did not do, that I did not follow, that I did not try, that she really impressed on some of the ladies and they started doing was journaling. That meant I had to sit still. That meant I couldn't go play tennis. I couldn't go out in the garden. I couldn't go for a walk. I'd go hiking. My quiet time was a lot more active than sitting and journaling. And I thought, well, how boring. 
And so for my aha moment, as God is, uh, and I can look back now and see, as God was eventually preparing me for a relationship with him instead of me just knowing him, having accepted Jesus, and that was it. As he was drawing me into a relationship with him, I was settled. I was in a good job that I started around 2008, 2007. Mm -hmm. My schedule had become pretty regular then. And so I made time in the mornings before I went to work just to do a devotion. I would find something I really liked, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, which uh, the spiritual mother had directed us ladies as a good doctrinal Mm -hmm. person. I actually had received a sample of an in-touch ministries magazine from Charles Stanley. And he has a monthly devotion in August of 2012. I started to work on his devotion. I had already been a part of that Sunday school class, and I really wasn't doing much to serve. I would help out at the church I was when there were meals or when there was a need somewhere. And so there I was. Again, I was settled more in a scheduled with a regular job. I had had some of this teaching poured into me other than what came from the pulpit. And I started this In Touch Ministry August devotion. And they started out, and this study was called Faith in works. And we started out with the scripture. It was Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. And the question after you read the scripture was, what additional preparation do you need to do good works? And I thought, well, I'm going to write that down. So I had some of these little notebooks just sitting around just for other purposes, and I started writing it down. What additional preparation do you need? Well, Titus verse 3, and I'm don't be impressed anybody. I'm actually got the journals in front of me for those who can't see me. But for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to lust, uh, full of malice, envious, hateful to one another. And I'm thinking, wow, what do I need to be prepared for good works? Because I was checking off each one of these <laughs> off the list. So... As I continued to work through this study, this was the Lord really drawing me to the Word. Mm-hmm. And so my testimony is the story between me, the Trinity, and the Word. Mm-hmm. So I began journaling. I have here in the next three years, I really like the Beatitudes. That's actually where I learned to use Strong's Concordance. Blessed are the meek. Well, I want to know what meek means, what meant as Jesus said it. That opened up a whole new world for me to be um, going through the Greek and Hebrew translations of these words. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed going through the threads of a scriptural text where you would have a reference. If you read one scripture, you would have a reference. Mm-hmm. And what I found is I would call them rabbit trails. So that day, if I found something that interested me, I labeled it rabbit trail. And I would go through and I would keep following all of the references from scripture on scripture on scripture. What that did for me was that really tied Christ to the Old Testament for me. Because when mm-hmm. I was in the gospel studying, you would have all of these other references in the Old Testament, that opened that piece up that I had never studied before. So I had really rich, quiet times with the Lord. I loved Ephesians, full armor of God. I did a couple of studies of those. 
talking about being fruitful and bearing fruit again. Again, this first little question on this first devotional was, what additional preparation do you need, Beth? Mm -hmm. I was getting some preparation, and I was getting joy in the Lord. So for three years, oh, and there is three years of that journaling kind of wound down. The last thing that I studied was God's kingdom is like. I really went into the Sermon on the Mount, researched what was meant by God's kingdom, And I really, really enjoyed that. There was not a special event in my life that kicked me up to this next next level that I'm getting ready to move to. On July 17th, 2015, this is three years later, um, I again, as I normally do, sat down to a Bible study, ready to open up and see what the Lord's telling me. And I started with one of the rabbit trail uh, type things. It started with the weapons of warfare in Second Corinthians. But one of the references was talking about Deuteronomy 29.18, which was, Beware there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. That struck me to the core because here I have just been got the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the word has been pouring into me these last three years that I've just discovered the wonderful world of scripture. And then all of a sudden, here's this bitter root. And I said to myself, yes, Beth, you have the bitter roots and God is getting ready to move you to another level. Now, I didn't say it like that. It was more like Oh, no. What what is being expected of me here? Exactly. So what the Lord ended up doing, and I was so, I see here, and I I know for sure, I can't tell you day for day, because this was back in 2015, but I know that this left me pushing aside some of my study for a couple days, kind of putting things off. I even have a picture drawn here of a heart that's broken that has a tree growing out of the break in the heart with the leaves of falling off of the tree. Wow. And that is that bitter root that's growing out of my heart. Wow. So through some, and this I can't remember, through some sort of a maybe a Sunday school lesson or something else I was reading, the Lord led me to James. I worked through James 1 and 2, and please know I am not bragging. I reluctantly worked through James 1 and 2. And as James 1 started out, this is in August of 2015, talking about testing of faith. And here I've written, I don't have faith enough to stop speaking negativity instead of letting the Spirit guide my words. There was a faith issue there. And I had since, as I worked through this piece with James 1 and 2, I eventually drew a little axe beside the heart that had faith on the handle that was getting rid of this root. And so I would have a little prayer as I was reading each just little piece of Scripture, each little fragment of Scripture. The Lord was bringing things up. He was very gentle. There was no growling and gnashing of teeth on my part with this. But it was a very cleansing, a very loving, a very, as if I hadn't felt closer to the Lord the last three years of my study, I certainly was going to another level of being close to the Lord because I was actually allowing the word to work in me. Mm -hmm. 
And it took him, I mean, it took three years, and before that with a spiritual mother, I'm confident for him to prepare me to receive this. I just want to say, I think it's really interesting that when he showed you that, it took you a couple days to get by. To process. Right. Yeah. And he gave you that time. Yeah. I want to say, talk a little bit about that. Like, it wasn't that you were walking away from it. No. But was it maybe just seeing Like, I remember one time realizing that I had bitterness in my heart, and I was just absolutely mortified because I didn't think there was bitterness. Yes. And it took me to work through that. It took me about six months until I felt like that he actually released me, healed me of that bitterness. So I kind of, I want to hear about that. Well, I, you know, I I have my processes here. What struck me and hit me in the gut was not only the direct command that says, beware, there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness, but the reference in my scripture as I was continuing on the rabbit trail was Hebrews twelve fifteen that said, a root of bitterness that springs up causes trouble and defiles many, and here am I in a relationship with the Lord. I did not have trouble the previous three years receiving the word and being healed from it. And again, this is not bragging. It is only because I knew the work of the cross. I had understood that from a young age, but I was actually now seeing how it was applied and how it could be applied to me. So for this pause, this bitterness, all of a sudden, for the first time in my journaling process, I thought, I know bitter people. I know I'm working with a bitter person beside me. Mm-hmm. I know what their actions and their words are, and my goodness, how horrible are they are in their heart, mm-hmm. and how hurt and broken are they in their heart. And here I am recognizing some things that have come out of my mouth, mm-hmm. have come, and, you know, I really sat for those couple days and thought, where is this coming from? Some of it's learned. Some of it was maybe a self, what I perceived as a self-protection instead of leaning on the Lord, maybe a defense mechanism. And so for those couple of days when I have this pause in my journal, what to your question, Margaret, is I don't want to pass it on to others. As a matter of fact, I have written here underlined, I must root out bitterness so I don't pass it on to others. So I don't have the same thing I do to somebody that has been done to me. And so I tentatively start out through James. Um, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And I wrote here in this entry, I can't even handle the small temptations in my mind. It's become a roadblock to my Christian thinking. I'm not even worthy at this point to even help out at church. Mm -hmm. So now the digging's going. Because my humanness is saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Having forgot the last three years of the relationship under Christ's blood. So, you know, that's how you know you're working. When you start squirming and getting a little pitiful, that's when God's starting working on you and he'll bear you up. Someone said that we can have a pity party as long as we invite God. As long as we invite God, I'm telling you. So... This was, and and this, as anybody who's around me enough knows, talking still in James about being slow to speak. Mm -hmm. And bitterness is just, you're just going to blurt her out. 
You're going to blurt it out because, well, I just speak what's on my mind. No, you speak what's in your heart, and it's ugly, Beth. (laughs) So I actually had the little prayer. I would write a little prayer beside each one of these points as I went through James. Uh, For that one, for the slow to speak, I said, Lord, let me speak your words. And so by the time this was over, I actually had a little review of chapters one and two. It was about a four-week process. And, you know, sometimes when you've been through something tiring, you're belly up. I was belly down. Mm. I was face down on the floor in worship, in repentance Mm. for at least three days of this process. I got down on my carpet, the cats are walking over me, and it put me face down. And so that was definitely, that was definitely part, if I didn't have the aha moment before when I started to journal and started to really dig in scripture, this was the aha, aha moment of really allowing the Lord's word to work in me. Mm. I was struggling to find words and trying to define exactly what happened to me Mm -hmm. because I would come in the next couple years, I would come from a place of such joy that I wanted to share scripture. And it wasn't always available to have my nice little safe group of friends. My girlfriends had had children. They were starting school. They were running to all four corners after ball games and homework and all of these other projects. And my life was looking a little different now because I had married my husband in 2011 and had helped raise his younger son. He was in sixth grade when we married. And so I kind of had that busyness too. But I still felt I had time to do the scripture because he was older. He was a real good kid. There wasn't a lot of attention, you know, what a smaller kid would have. But I was still trying to put my finger on what, you know, what's the Lord doing? I keep looking back. I see all of where he's taken me. I finally found a biblical illustration that I could share with other people, especially a new believer, especially someone who may be interested in scripture. And that was actually two years after this kind of face down, digging out the bitter root kind of thing. And what it was, I was in those two years, I was going through the gospels, the synoptic gospels, going through John. I revisited Ephesians. I went through Corinthians, some and some studies. And again, here is this Here is this, what do you need to do to prepare? That still has stuck in my mind. I get to John 4, and I read The Woman at the Well. The Woman at the Well is classic. As a matter of fact, I had first started reading it. I had started teaching a young adult Sunday school class years later at the church, my immediately previous church, to me coming here last year. And John, actually the book of John was in the curriculum, and The Woman of the Well was one Sunday. The woman of the well shows such fantastic progression. You see Jesus' progression as he would lead folks to him. Mm-hmm. You would see the Samaritan woman's progression as she moved towards Christ. This is classic for evangelism yep. to follow this model. The one sentence that stood out with the woman at the well, she was so released. She was so freed from her past yeah. Maybe had bitterness, definitely sounded like she had fear, skepticism. She was the lowest of the low. It wasn't that she wasn't just a Samaritan. She was a Samaritan woman. Yeah. 
And she was a Samaritan woman who was not living a pure life. So she was lowest of the low. And she was so filled with joy when she discovered her Lord, Mm -hmm. when she discovered Christ. She was so full of joy that she ran back into the city, the very people that she avoided even to go get water. And she had such joy that the folks that looked down on her actually received Jesus because of her testimony. How great her joy would have had to have been Change. They would have had yeah. to see change. Absolutely. Even physical. Like Absolutely. Just... And so this is what I pray, that my joy in the Lord, that my joy in the Scripture can certainly help somebody else work through in their way. Yeah. Through one-on-one relationship, through a group relationship, yeah. just through a chance encounter. Mm-hmm. And in preparation for this meeting, there's one of the questions, one of the sample questions that you sent me that says, what is your greatest purpose? My greatest purpose is to encourage a hunger of the word in others because you are never going to know the Lord just sitting there and thinking that by osmosis, the words are going to come out of your closed Bible that's down in the bottom of a drawer somewhere are going to come up and grab you. It is pure relationship. It is his word. It is alive. And I am living proof that it is. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Amen. We all are. But I yeah. want to encourage people to know that joy. I want them to have their aha and then a aha, aha, and then maybe a aha, aha, aha yeah. moment as the woman at the well had. Yeah. 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 You know, Beth, it's amazing. We sit across the table from folks on a weekly basis and hear their testimonies, and everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so unique. And it helps me to know. Like, I know that you have such a love for the Word and love to teach, um, a love to help others to dig in. And I wonder if someone is sitting today listening to you and they're thinking, man, I wish I could have that, but I don't know where to start. What would you say to that person? Take some of your Sunday school material. Take one scripture from curriculum, from Sunday school, from our sermons, because we have additional sermon notes. If you look on your U version, there is additional scripture there. Start with one of those scriptures. Write it down. Write the full scripture out. Be patient. Be patient. Write the full scripture out. What's it saying to you? Where's the reference in your Bible lead you? Where's that take you? From my experience, I was willing to hear. I was willing to listen. It's only because God had set that groundwork ever since the day I was born into a family that was a Christian family. But I had the spiritual mother. He has since given me a second spiritual mother that is living out the very scriptures I have studied and not spending time with me in scripture, but actually modeling what it looks like when you're prepared. What do I need to do for preparation? Okay, you're prepared. This is what it looks like. Yeah. And so for somebody just starting, you just have to start in Scripture. You just have to, again, pick something in the sermon, pick a curriculum. If there's a daily devotional that you do online, even that you get sent to your email that you're too busy to look at, sit down with it. Read the whole chapter it's in. And you can Google the Scripture, the Bible, if if you're not in a church. 
You know, the Bible is right there online, a lot of different versions. Absolutely. And yeah. I would even go as far to say, like, if someone is going, you know what, I would love to have a spiritual mother. I would encourage you to pray about that. Yes. You know, pray that God yeah. would send someone. Yeah. Um, he's faithful. Very faithful. And, um, yeah, that's good advice. I hope that your words today have encouraged at least one person to dig deeper. I certainly yeah. prayed for that before we started this. <laughs> and yeah. I believe that as we get into the Word and the Word reads us, that's yeah. what happened to you. Yeah. And He revealed places in your life that needed some work. And the beautiful thing about that, like when you walked away for a couple of days, you processed. It wasn't that you walked away. You were processing what that meant, what that looked like. Those moments I have come, took me a while, but I've come to that place where I realize he cares enough about me that he's still working on me. Right. Oh, it is. Oh, yes. It is a perpetual maintenance. Yeah. It's a perpetual thing. But it's good because I know that he's active and alive in my life when he he convicts me. That is correct. So that's not a shame. There's a difference between shame and conviction. Yes. And God gently convicts us. The enemy loves to shame us. So thank you today for sharing God's conviction and your testimony today. And and it was good just to see the joy all over your face as you were sharing, (laughs) Beth. It encouraged me just listening to you. And as you were talking, especially toward the end there, I was thinking about the Bible says light can't be hidden on a hill. It needs to shine for all to see. And a lamp on a lampstand needs to shine its light. And that's what we need to do for others. We need to share the good news of Christ with others. It wasn't meant just a hoard to ourselves. So thank you for that encouragement. And thank you for being willing to share your testimony and how God's working in your life with us. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I pray that uh, Beth Elliard's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.